Hello, Chris. Damn, I thought TJ was screening my call. No, I was just over here getting properly set up. I just saw a pretty funny tweet. (laughs) Was that right? Yeah. If if Seattle cops think getting hit with a half-empty water bottle justifies violently attacking the entire crowd, they should definitely never be the solo acoustic opener for the Third Eye Blind tour. Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little wordy. It's a little wordy, but it, it's really right up my street. You know what I mean? It's got a current event and third eye blind. That's really all I need. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. And there has, there's been lots of great tweets going around the world that are helping change everything. Uh, a lot of Baron Trump being tall tweets. Mark Wahlberg I mean, you, being a hate crime person. How do you feel about Baron coming from for your title as as best tall guy? How tall? <laughs> I don't know if he's coming for. I, well, I don't have that title, and I don't think he's coming for that either. Mm. He's not coming for that. He's coming. Well, actually, maybe you guys are tied for worst tall guy. Now that I th- now that I think about it, <laughs> there are so many bad tall guys out there. Um, even just in the NBA alone, but yeah. You know, Baron, I, I'm feeling for him. He's in that awkward stage of his tall journey where, you know, his his body is is disproportionate. He's probably on suicide watch for many other reasons as well. <laughs> the shit where it says, kill your dad. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be... I mean, everyone is embarrassed by their dad, but imagine how embarrassed he yeah. must be. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, that... Donald Trump is his dad, so you know that does that does suck. He's That's got no f- friends. Maybe he's gonna he will either save the world or he will unfortunately you know eat a bunch of pills or something. If he's if he's if he gets old enough and, and he you know like walks away from the family, that would be that would be pretty wild shit. You Pulls know? a Markle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Except hopefully more likable. I don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that's in the cards, but. <laughs> um, being the being the son of Trumpito is a very difficult hand to be dealt in life. Tough so. hill to climb, but he does have a lot of money, and you know, it, it's weird seeing him because he really looks just like Trump. And you imagine that's that face is just what Trump looked like when he was whatever fifteen. It is. I mean, and, and truth be told, the face is punchable. It, it, I can't even lie. Like it, I, 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 it is. I want to, I want to give this young man, you know, the benefit of the doubt, but you know, sorry, bro. It's, it's like if it has like a James Dean canceled quality to it, you know, like, like, it, like if, if you knew James Dean was a pedophile or like, you know, had sex with animals or something, that's the vibe. I think I it's get. more, it's more like, it's more like James Dean if his face was made out of like silly putty. Is the vibe I get? Oh, okay. Um, like a little, a little melted wax, you know. Yeah, there's there. It was damaged in shipping. Um, I went, I went. I know that you're on a journey through America's heartland. I went, I went to Orange County yesterday, Orange County, California, and that's actually America's heartland. But give us a scene report from hell on earth. From hell on earth, masks are now um, bad. In, in the OC and you will, you will be shamed and ridiculed and, and made fun of if you are wearing a mask. Wearing a mask in the OC is a sign of being a, a pussy cuck. 
Well, luckily for you, you're already a pussy cuck, so the mask can stay on. But I think that the yeah, business as that, usual when they take a gander <laughs> at me. But that's um, I heard that before I got to Richmond that like some people in Richmond were taking that as like a it, it, wearing a mask means you're a Democrat, which is so mm. insane. Which is so fucking backwards. It's insane. It's crazy. Like I, I can't believe that like that is is so politicized you know still but but i guess i shouldn't be surprised you shouldn't i mean I, i'm sure there's been cases of this all through time of you know whenever any type of or you know like you're you're getting insurance for your life you fucking pussy or you know like <laughs> you're going to a doctor because you have a little cold or something you know it's true. Well, what what else was going on? And just went to go visit, went to go visit moms, see my brother and and his girlfriend, and there there was discussion of people in Orange County having full restaurant dining experiences. Now it's it's, uh, it's going down. Damn. I mean, I, I I had a I had a dining experience, but it wasn't full. Mm-hmm. You it was outside. I was outside and I was alone and there was nobody near me. Mm-hmm. And what, you ate some oysters, perhaps? Al yeah, I was at the ordinary, the ordinary, a restaurant in Charleston that's very good. Um, and uh, yeah, I had some, I had some oysters, a few other things. Yeah, what's, nice. what's the vibe there for for the for the restaurant? Bro, the vibe, scene? the vibe in Charleston in general is fucking completely bananas. It's literally like nothing's going on except there's some stuff boarded up, mm-hmm. um, which. I will guess is probably just. I mean, because like there's said, the a protest, tropical storm coming has nothing to do that, with the black. Well, that's on, that, I mean, I feel like it's more. I don't know, man. I, it's, I, it, it's like um, it's the mask thing is not really happening. Like there was full bachelorette party at the hotel, like full <laughs> birthday party at the hotel. I mean, it's fucking wild. Like, but I mean, Charleston but, is the bachelorette capital of America, right? It's true. Well, but also that's like what the government has told them is okay. You know what I mean? These people aren't like breaking the law. Like true. that's actually so they're it's, they're, it's they're a, breaking moral laws if, if yes, they're able just, to um, have a party and celebrate during this uh, time where our world is burning and mourning. Well, that's a hundred percent true. It's a, whole it's just other a weird. It's a weird. Th- it's just the, the whole scene is weird. But I, I also I went to a gym. Mm-hmm. And damn, Im- immediately regretted it uh, because it was not for- a hotel gym in South Carolina. No, it was not a hotel gym. I found a gym that was open and went there, and I think it was like a Blue Lives Matter vibe. <laughs> you went, you went to a gym that where CB was not welcome, even though you no, no, even see, though you look like problem. a cop. No, that's what I was about to say. That's what sent me on a full spiral. Is that I was very welcome because oh. I look like I look like a fucking fed. I look like a cool cop. Welcome, brother. This is I got where a shaved head. I got tattoos. I'm obviously lifting very heavy weights. You know, <laughs> so it's just it's a no. But honestly, it made me feel. I left and I was like, no. I mean, I didn't talk to anyone or anything. It wasn't right. like that. But just overall, nobody handed you a brochure in the locker room. No, no, no. It was not a recruitment center, but there was li- there was literally a Blue Lives Matter American flag on the wall. Right. I-, I noticed halfway through the workout, and I was like, uh, shit. So you went and to a white people gym in the South? 
Yeah, but it was, I can't explain it. It was different because it was kind of old school, like free weights only kind of vibe, which mm. feels even more racist in some, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, luckily there's a woodway, so I, I felt a little more, you know, but uh, no, honestly, it was. I mean, usually when you, when you go to the gym and you see the, the, the heavy free weight powerlifting zone, it's, it's usually a pretty well, well racially diverse crowd. It's true. I mean, there, there was, there was a, a black man in the gym. Otherwise, I probably would have left. I would have actually right. thought I had been, they were trying to recruit me. Like I, I, but I just forget, dude. I, I like forget. It made me, it really did spin me out a little bit about like the reason people will say stuff to me or even like a guy on the street talking to me about how bad the looting is and shit. Mm-hmm. Like they talk, they talk to me openly about that because I look like I'm down for their cause. Well, Chris, we need, you know, there's like a, a graphic going around showing all the levels of the of the movement and the resistance and all the jobs that everyone has you know the the medic the communicator the people that shine the laser pointers the people that help you know all the helpers and you are a covert spy i'm i could be i could get into a sleeper cell and in bed <laughs> yes it, uh, dude it's it, honestly it's so weird like it, it's so i mean because you know i think that I mean, people in the South are obviously friendly and, mm-hmm. and that, that is something that I, um, you know, under normal circumstances like and kind of makes me feel good about, about where I'm from yeah. because it's so fucked most of the time. But then now it's just like, I guess that, that assumption of just agreeing because you're white mm-hmm. it bugs me. That bugs me out. That's like a very wild way to approach things with people you don't know. It is just to assume. Because yeah, of how you look. Yeah, so yeah you exactly. Have, you, have been, uh, you have been racially profiled and stereotyped, Chris, um, as a white person. I have. I have. I'm not going to – I mean, I don't want to take it further than the pod, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's just now, – now I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, which is um, actually – I've never been here before. It's pretty amazing as far as, like, weather and, and scenery goes. It's mm-hmm. really beautiful. Um, which after Charleston, which just felt like, I I mean, I love Charleston normally, obviously it's got a fraught history, uh, to say the very least. Um, what town there down there doesn't, well, Charleston particularly though Mm, has a, has a terrible, terrible history, but I, I just think that, yeah, overall this trip has, has been very interesting as far as, uh, Your, your journey through the different Confederate strongholds. Well, it's also just like seeing how things get so loose and matter less to the people as you go further south. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And then, and then I'll get to Atlanta and that show will be serious again. Um, right, 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 right. So, yeah, you're, you know, you're in the middle of, of, of major cities where, you know, you're as far out of the silo as possible. Yes. So, but you're uh, all so, simultaneously being very online in the silo. So that's yes, got to be jarring. I'm, I'm both in the silo and also physically outside of said silo. But I, I mean, like I saw my friend today who lives here um, in Asheville and uh, he was, he, he was like, there was a protest last night and the, the cops didn't even go like the cops were like, no, we don't want to escalate it. Like we'd rather it be like you guys do your thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I don't know if how progressive is the word I would use, but I was pretty impressed that that was the take um, because I do think that does de-escalate things quite a bit. 
Um, it does. So that, as long, that was as, long as that is happening because they're putting more trust in the protest being peaceful and not happening as a means of, you know, choosing to refusing to be a, a, a police officer because you're upset right now, which is what a lot of people are doing. I mean, the thing in Buffalo is crazy. Yeah, I mean, or even just people who are on the force and and still patrolling and choosing not to, you know, fight any crime one way or another because they feel like they're being attacked by the rest of the world. Well, you know, to that, Jason, I, I say fuck 12 and let them, you know. Indeed, I did get to, I saw a peaceful protest yesterday in Hollywood. They were, everyone... No one was marching. They were just all huddled in front of the entrance of the Scientology office um, across the street from the club where I used to DJ. Which club is that? Cinespace. Oh, wow. So you're telling me that Black Lives Matter, Cinespace, and Scientology, the TJ trifecta all unfolded in front of your eyes? Mm Mm-hmm. And I was there to capture a wide-angle photo with with my (laughs) 0.5. And but it was it was good. I was like, it, it's great to see this peaceful protest happening, and it's also great to see the Scientology building unable to uh, operate or function very well. You love, I love to see that. You're right. That's a nice little nice little two birds uh, one combo. stone. Two birds one stone. Um, we do have a guest today, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine who I last saw. I ran into her in Paris at a restaurant when, when times were much simpler, and it was a, a true pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. She uh, she lives in New York. Her name is Gabriella uh, Karifa Johnson. She's the fashion director at Garage Magazine and a uh, a stylist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has been uh, she's been pretty vocal about everything that's been going on in a way that that is. Um, both, I, I just really like the way she presents her her feelings and her ideas. Um, I think it's like she she has a, a tone that, that I can appreciate and um, is giving me information that I probably need to hear. Um, so I thought it would be nice so, to invite her to bless the the listenership um, with some knowledge. So let's give her a call. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. Hello. Yo. What's Gucci? Yeah, I mean, literally nothing. Literally, literally nothing. I was hoping you'd respond in that way. Um, Truly, zero Gucciness happening. <laughs> what's What's going on? Where are you, by the way? I didn't I didn't check in with your location. I am in Palm Springs, where my mother lives. She is a hospice physician, and naturally, everybody comes to Palm Springs to like retire and die. So this is basically the epicenter of the industry, and. It's really weird because I'm literally in essentially like an old Hollywood commune slash retirement home. And the only way that I've been able to feel connected to anything that's happening in the world is through my phone, which I, you know, mm-hmm. welcome and engage. But it's really weird. So I'm flying back to New York actually tonight. Cause you are, and you're flying back because you like can't stand being disconnected or was it planned or is it just time? I just, I can't really stand being disconnected. I live in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, which is the subject of constant police presence. And I just feel like I need to go home right now. And, and, you know, the industry was really, really invested in this idea of like, we can do this. We can adapt. Like COVID-19 can't keep us down. We're going to replicate all the systems we had in a world where there wasn't a mass pandemic and just like try and 
keep going. And I have a real investment in the idea that we should not try and keep going and that we really need to reflect in this moment. And it's hard to do that, you know, three hours behind. Mm. Uh, that's that's the problem with with Los Angeles in general. That that lag really gets me too. Look, uh, Palm Springs yeah. has its own unique fashion scene that is not to be <laughs> overlooked. It's not. It's not. I mean, let me tell you, like all of my sisters out here, like the girls are looking cute in their Tommy Bahama, like for sure. Mm-hmm. And a little bit further north, a little closer to the mountains, when you get into Indio, like you really can't touch that swag, and I appreciate it <laughs> enormously. Try I and touch the, the swag of India. I was Try. not. I was not expecting a a India scene report, but look, here we are. I mean, what a blessing! You know? yeah, how hot is it there right now? Because it's hot as hell over here in Glendale. It's literally 115 degrees, which sounds <gasps> oh, like God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like sci-fi? Like, that's not a temperature that it should be in California, but it fully is. I couldn't take this call outside because your phone gets too hot and it, like, automatically turns off. Oh, shit. God, that's so extreme. God. It's so extreme. But I think New York is also disgusting, which I'm not excited about. I mean, I've been... I've been driving from New York to Atlanta and, and it's been Richmond and Charleston were swamps. It's terrible. But I'm in Asheville, North Carolina today, which has got a lot of trees. So it's a little nicer here. It is nicer. I imagine this is an interesting time to be driving through the <laughs> South of America. Well, um, you know, we've been, you know, I, I haven't, I mean, this was planned before, uh, obviously the, um, uprising. Uh, right. so I was, I, and I was like, fuck, I'm just gonna do it anyway. I mean, this is like where I'm from. I guess I should see it. And it's been, I think I, I overall, I'm glad I've seen it. I'll mm-hmm. say that because it's mm-hmm. fucking wild. I mean, we just said in the intro, like Charleston, South Carolina, it's like, there's nothing going on, but they boarded up. Cause like other cities did. Right, 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 right. Um, I could be wrong, but then like Asheville is boarded up and every single board has like Black Lives Matter graffiti on it. Charleston, none, none, none really. It was like, we we love you, like love, peace. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like we're all one people. (laughs) Yeah, it it was. Our patio is now open. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) The patio open was definitely more the vibe. But (laughs) right. But actually, this is something interesting to talk to you about because I I did mention Mm -hmm. it before we called you. But Mm -hmm. I I've realized, though, because of the way I look, I have been profiled as being down with the white man a little more than I I would like. So I just because, you know, in the South, people are friendly and want to talk. And at this point, there's nothing else to talk about except what's Mm. going on. And they kind of mm. just talk to me because I'm a white guy with tattoos and a shaved head. And I, I forget what that looks like. Chris, I got two right. words for you. Makeover. And it's, it might be time. Not <laughs> no. Not <laughs> no. I just say I just got comfortable with my shaved head during oh, the pandemic. God. Yeah, you, know? you really you got to yeah, get away from the skinhead aesthetic. Queer <laughs> Eye Season 5 just came out. Take a page out of their th- book. I thought my I thought my rich guy eccentric glasses would set me apart, but it doesn't seem to be working. No. No, it isn't. And also it's like, I'm sorry, even if you were like looking cute, looking I mean you are looking cute at all times, but even if you were like, My hair is flowing, I've got my like tortoise rim glasses. The thing that is so interesting about this movement is it's like you the presentation of like intellectualism is not a pass. Like you have to actively be engaging in this and like actually know that regardless of how down you are with black people, if you aren't expressively 
doing action steps to prove that it's like, it's all rhetoric, my man, you know what I mean? So it's like, like you might be working for the New Yorker, like you might be down with Tennessee Coates, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. You, know? like, uh, you need to also be in the streets or you need to be on your fucking Instagram or you need to be all up in your companies asking why when you look around at senior leadership, you only see white people. Like it's literally down to every facet of our existence and I'm riled up and ready to go. Cause you know, we've been on it. When you texted me yesterday, when you texted me yesterday saying I'm riled up, I was like, this is exactly what we need. I was excited to hear that. I was, um, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we've tried, uh, you know, since, since George Floyd and the stuff started happening, we tried to pivot the show to, to, you know, tackle this stuff a little more head on, especially mm. as, as two, <clears throat> you know, uh, upper middle class white guys with, um, only so much to offer. We prefer to give the platform to people who know a little more than we do. Um, mm -hmm. And also realizing that our listener is probably like a 25-year-old white dude who cares about what we say more than they should. So right. bringing, right. Bring, bringing some information to them <laughs> has become like what the point of this is. And, and, and I think like the whole thing that's being talked about a lot is that white people just need to listen and, and also not lean on their black friends or coworkers or whatever to, to either reassure them or give them the information that, that they're looking for. Um, yeah. and I think that's like a really, I, I mean, I understand that that's pretty, to me, that's pretty easy. I understand that's the last thing someone wants right now, but I think that's a really hard thing for white America to fully understand, to grasp. It is. And I think that in our industry, particularly, we have had these kinds of conversations for a very long time, but based on the genetic makeup of what that industry is, there are so few voices to champion the idea that when I speak outside of the, you know, power structure of fashion, like you might be in a winter, but like we're living in a world where black voices are not only silenced, but actually actively, you know, disregarded, especially in this, this fashion system. So yeah, give your platforms over. Like you, you mm -hmm. might be the gatekeepers of like what is acceptable, what is like up to snuff, like what fashion really wants to speak about but you can't gatekeep this. Like you have to really relinquish that control and be okay with sitting in that discomfort. And it is uncomfortable, but you know, it's like way more uncomfortable, <laughs> like having your entire existence policed at every single moment of the day. I would agree. I, yeah, I would probably, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I would, you know, now that you put it that way, I, I understand. Um, yeah. I think that the, the other thing about it is, is it, it comes down to, to some, to some extent, like for me personally, like I've never used social media in this way in my life. That's just not what I think it's, it's, I didn't think that's what right. it was for. I never f I had interest in that. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I started thinking about it and Jason, and I talked about it, especially when we like pivoted the show a little bit and it was like, you know what, man, like what, what it's like, you're saying like, what, why do you care this much? Like what's more important mm. here? And that's mm. what's so interesting to me about people that are holding out or people that are choosing just being so careful. It's like, do you really want to be wrong about this? Like, I don't right. understand. That's what I don't understand. I it know. It took me a while and it's an ego thing, I think to an extent, but it took yes. me a second to get there. So I can, and I have people telling me, I have people that are smart and that know what to do telling me what to do. <laughs> so if yeah, you don't, exactly. if you don't have that, then, then it's going to, it, it's taking longer, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, uh, Part of me is very much, I just had this conversation with actually somebody who, you know, didn't post like a blackout Tuesday square and like not saying Black Lives Matter on their Instagram all the time. And I was like, don't, don't 
don't do because if you don't think you have the vocabulary or the prerequisite education to engage with this movement meaningfully, then stay off of Instagram. That's not what it's for. No one is interested in the virtue signaling of like people who want to get skin in the game of black liberation. Like what we're interested in is having a space where even if we don't speak about politics or about, you know, social justice or racial justice all the time, which very much was my case, I had never really talked about those issues on my platform. Um, this is now the time where, like, if you fuck with my outfits, you should listen to what the fuck I say, you know? <laughs> oh, you like me, you like me my little outfits, now it's time to listen. Right, and it's like, it's like now maybe it's time to, like, listen to my words. And it's like, this industry is one that has actually profiteered from, it's not even swagger jacking. It's like cultural looting of like black aesthetics and like our cultural contributions and has always at the exact same time excluded the authentic voices in that way. So mm-hmm. I just am like anyone who feels that they have an audience that is hearing from them something they're not hearing elsewhere, which for a black person in fashion with my audience being probably 85% non POC. I'm going to just, I have, to, I just feel a duty to use it in that way. And it's like social media collapses conversations, right? Like we all see everybody posting about, I just had a very interesting situation where, you know, people that I love were posting about this set of policy reforms. Eight can't wait. I'm sure you guys know about it because GQ like literally hopped on its dick in like two seconds. <laughs> is this the, oh, is it, this is, <laughs> is this the, this is the D-Ray shit, right? This is a D-Rage. Hold on, hold on. Before we get into this, because I I have heard both sides of this, um, Mm. but I I need to hear it from somebody who I trust. Mm. Is D-Ray like Sean King level or is he like, where are we at with D-Ray? Okay, so the thing about D-Ray as opposed to Sean King is that D-Ray was active in... Black Lives Matter. He kind of rose to prominence during Ferguson. But what a lot of people don't know who aren't following actually the majority voices of the BLM movement, but have the minority audiences, people like the founders of BLM, like Alicia Garza, Opal Temetris, Colors, like these are Black women who organized in the liberation of Black people. And that's, you know, what, that's another thing I would like for you. The, the BLM is, 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 was started and still run by women, correct? Run by women. And it was based on revolutionary thought that was engineered by Black queer women, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And it, and it is okay. really existing in this moment as um, a continuation of these, you know, female thought leaders. So on one hand, it's like, Dre does the work to an extent and within, you know, a system that I actually think is much closer to center than what BLM actually is. And what is so um, frustrating about that for so many people is that D-Ray was pushed out of Ferguson for the exact same reason that people are uh, resisting eight can't wait because he co-opted this moment of like real radical thought and diluted it around concepts of, you know, white comfort in a lot of ways. It's like these policies are reformist like they are not abolitionist they are they could be argued to be on the way to abolition but for a lot of us the first step in that is defunding and this is the kind of policy that you can kind of cling and, on and, to and the eight the, just just to be clear it's basically it, it's basically saying we can just teach these guys how to do better it's literally like what is so crazy is that it's literally a majority rules that exist in many, many police departments. And it's like, okay, let's just ban chokeholds. Like, 
yeah, New York had banned chokeholds and like Eric Garner was still murdered by suffocation and a chokehold. Like mm-hmm. required de-escalation. Like that kind of concept is is not really tenable because, you know, there are always exceptional circumstances that can be argued on behalf of police um, commissioners to justify actions of excessive force. It's just like there are these really loose guidelines and that in itself is a problem. But the biggest problem is that there's literally no enforcement mechanism. It's like asking people, it's like putting rules in a rule book that they don't listen to anyway. Mm-hmm. So it so sounds it's, it's, it's really having good. Ru- it's having rules for the sake of having rules. It's having rules for the sake of having rules. And it's also like something that's baked into it is the idea of um, self-reporting. So it's like, in what world have the police ever been really yeah, good at yeah, tattletailing on yeah. themselves? Like, that's, you know? that's literally what they're known to not do. That's and that's how you get disowned. And that's, that's also like, no human. To, like I would, I've never called the police and said I was speeding today. Can you guys send me a ticket? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's just like it's actually against human nature, but yeah. like definitely within a police force that's like founded on fraternity and mob mentality. Mm. And then, but you know, it's all it's all to the point of that DeRay has become a celebrity in this movement and we should always be questioning, um, you know, a mouthpiece or a mouthpiece or a head figure that has that much proximity to the establishment. Like this is not a, like, let's work within the system to change it movement. This is like, we need to dismantle the system and build a new one. Yeah. He's, he's uh, re rebranded the, the powerful movement so white people can, uh, you know, in, uh, appreciate it and and adopt it more, and also maybe making a, a buck off of it in the in the end as well. Yeah, I think some people do have problems with you know the way that um, his celebrity has been monetized and like the whole spawn con relationships. It's like I don't like get your bag, black man. I'm fine with that, but like don't mess with the work that's being done. And my mm-hmm. and and. I disagree with reformist policy and I do not think that it is nearly as radical as we should be thinking it. But at the same time, I don't fault for somebody believing that it can't wait is a great set of policies that reduce harm. It, they do in theory and within a statistical vacuum. What my problem is, why would we use this moment when radical thought is as close as it has ever mm. been to penetrating mainstream discourse to then offer a dilute, like a diluted, very watered down version of what we actually could be like defunding the police is not something that people are saying is going to happen overnight. And it's not something that people are also saying is never going to happen and could never happen. Like people in power are hearing the need to do that. And there are very tenable steps in making it happen. So why would we co-op this moment to talk about something that mm-hmm. serves to reduce 70% of 72%, I think is the figure of, um, police killings when like we have a path to a hundred percent you know yeah so yeah, i want to yeah. fight for that path but we, yeah to go back to your normal question i do think that like deray is not a scammer but i do think he is an opportunist and and i i want to go on the record because i'm always before before this happened i was always like oh my black friends don't fuck with sean king therefore i will not fuck with sean king that seems right. reasonable to me but yes. that motherfucker is like a cockroach he just yeah, it. it's crazy. I see somebody reposting him every day, if not yeah. multiple times a day, and people yeah. that like think they're on the front lines of this shit. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm just like, how how does my dumb white ass know not to do this, but you don't? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I think that some people really appreciate the fact that he can be used as an information source and a media source. I think mm. the problem 
is when you give him money. And I think that's a problem. Like, you just don't want to give him money. And I think that the way that he gets money is that through his action pack, which is, you know, largely email based in terms of outreach. It's like, we can't do this work unless you support it. So it's like, you're giving money so that you can be getting these petitions. You can be getting these like auto-filled emails. You can be getting the phone numbers to call. And I understand how like, in theory, that is really appealing. The problem is, I think much, it's much larger, but but also smaller in scale when you think about it. It's like, his mission is very self-centric in the way that like, you don't know the names of like the three women Mm -hmm. who are the founders of BLM, but you know, Mm -hmm. DeRay McKesson's name, like that in itself is Mm. hugely damaging to the mission because the, the people with the authority of the movement don't have the audience. So it's like, whenever you bring celebrity into it, it becomes a whole crazy palava, which is also why I, and you know, I had a very frank conversation with Cleo, who's one of my best friends an amazing activist is like, you know, the kind of person that I'm happy is existing in like the Hollywood world and the art world and the fashion world because she does care. But this like mass mobilization of influencers to, you know, roll out policy that's actually in a lot of ways in contrast with what the what the call to action is for BLM, like that is a problem to me. That's when it becomes a problem. And and I mean the information that Sean King is distributing is 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 why it's not like he's got an exclusive like this is shit yeah. you can find that's the other yeah. thing that I'm it's not like he's breaking news he just yeah. has it and he's got the following so people just go with it yes I think that that's totally it and that's kind of what I I mean when I say that Instagram and social media collapses conversation because it's like the biggest voice wins mm-hmm. and I just think when the biggest voice is advocating you know, in the interest of something like Black Lives Matter or in the interest of finally exposing, you know, the white power structure, then that voice needs to be diversified enough, at least, to represent the entire spectrum of thought, you know, around these issues. Mm-hmm. And and I don't and I don't think of Sean King as an expert in that way. I think he's been working for a very long time. I think that people trust him in ways that I don't to handle, you know, their family's cases, to yeah. connect them to people who can support them. Um, and that's all good and well, but it bums me out when I see, you know, celebrities with huge, huge audiences then disseminating his information as if this is the authority voice on the matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the thing is that it's also in a time like this, I think people want to participate and do the right thing. And if that's the, if that's, you know, the closest to, you know, if, if, if the information is coming across their feed already, then that's how they're going to share it. You know, Right. And, and maybe the point should be telling people like, if, Sean King or D. Ray McKesson are those people to you, you have barely scratched the surface of the education you should be doing for yourself. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't enough. Happy you know? to have you here, but, you know, you, have, yeah. you haven't even set your foot in the, whole, in the doorway yet. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly mm-hmm. how I feel. Uh, that, was, that was a very good analogy and explanation. And it's sort of that same, that same power struggle is... <laughs> the problem with almost everything in the world, you know, from, from politics to, to EDM, you know, nobody, you know, there should be more moody man fans than marshmallow fans, but you know, nice. they are not. 
Thank you. For I love, I love me saying right as if I know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, totally. Okay, Moody no Man idea. is an underground DJ that is African American, and Marshmallow Ooh. is a white, massive, huge DJ who wears a fake marshmallow on top of his head. Ooh, don't. I mean, but also, I feel like I know what I need to know to not like marshmallow. But also on the on the flip flip side, Marshmallow donated fifty thousand dollars to to the to the Black Lives Matter. So that's, that's sort of good. We've that's also sort of good. We've also talked about the the celebrity uh, donation stuff on the show with with Jeff uh, Jeff on the last episode, and I, I just and and I, I wonder if you'll agree with me or. But I mean, I think the people getting angry at celebrities based on a net worth they googled versus how much they donate is kind of takes away from the point. Yeah, I do think that that's probably not the fight we should be having. Instead, it might be like, what about a celebrity donation um, signals interest and what actually is interest? Like, is that mm. is that a cop-out because, you know, they have the resources to be able to um, support organizations that are doing the work or do we want them to be invested in doing the work themselves? And my answer to that is like, why the fuck would you ever think a celebrity would be invested in doing the work? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, and I'm personally, I'm not looking to Ariana Grande to be like (laughs) digging into like black queer feminist theory and like disseminating it to her audience. I don't think that that expectation is right. But I do think if you're going to blast to the world at how much you're donating, then you should also have some real thoughts about why you're donating. And that seems to be Mm -hmm. um, missing from the discourse. (sighs) I mean, just like I did this. I no agreed. I mean, I do think also though that it's um, yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. But someone like Ariana Grande, that reach is so is so big, and she's a good example of someone who's, who the reach is so big that like her giving money is is maybe a I, obviously she's not doing the work, but that will I think encourage other people like, to do the same. She's she's yeah. better at making money than she is about speaking about this. So, <laughs> yeah, right. exactly, so you exactly. could just go do your shit. And bring us a big ass check, and and we're we're all good. I think that that's something that's definitely something to be said too. Uh, in my mind, I would like it to be like a both and. Like, yes, mm-hmm. give us your fat checks, but also direct your readership to people who do know what they're talking about, so mm-hmm. that those two things are happening in tandem. But also, like, yeah, I really want them to be cutting a fat check to these organizations. My only problem in that is like usually those donations are directed to things like, you know, color of change or like the ACLU, which are like these huge behemoth organizations that can totally use the monetary resources of a celebrity. But it's like, if you want to use your money in powerful ways like that, half of that donation could make enormous change change in like much smaller grassroots organizations. Mm -hmm. So it's also like, I'm not going to like hand out gold stars for the bare fucking minimum. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you should be doing that. But what I would actually respect and appreciate is if you were researching the ways, you know, the well, other ways also, you could use I mean, if you're going to donate a million dollars to the ACLU, it takes 10 minutes to figure out the other, you know, you know what I mean? Even if, you're yeah. not, even, if you're not trying to do a deep dive, you could figure it out pretty easily. Yeah. About where, maybe, where um, maybe all these celebrities can take that 50 K and then just pay the salary of somebody to be the person that tells them how to use their social media <laughs> and their celebrity for, exactly. for the better. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and also like, so that you can also learn. It's like, you should be invested in this. Like, mm. if you're going to say Black Lives Matter, then you need to be invested in it. And it's not just a monetary investment in my mind, which is why I have so many problems with like, yeah, I love these pledges. Yes, it's been time for Gucci to be talking about Black Lives being, you know, mattering. Yes, it's been time for Louis Vuitton to be talking about how Black Lives Matter. But you can't, you know, y'all also raise a billion dollars in a day for a building. So that's, like, the shit, that's the shit that honestly, and when that was going on, I was like, is this for real? These people care about a bit. I like don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, I, I mean. The building I, is I, fire though. Is. The building is dope. Like those flying buttresses, you can't touch mm. those buttresses. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> the building is dope. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a dope building. In, no, in Notre no, Dame's but, defense, the building was dope. <laughs> yeah, right, no, right. no one can argue with that. But I do think that that to me, I mean, that also to me feels so European. Like mm-hmm. it, I, I don't think that would happen in America in the same way. I just don't no. think we care about. I mean, yeah, you know, because I mean, every about- every big building in America ha- is already owned by a corporation. If if the Staples Center burns down, Staples will just <laughs> yeah, have to build another one. That, that's true. Yeah, that's true. you guys right. gotta sell some paper. Um, exactly. You know, and also, you know, I'm a <clears throat> a, a pretty well known cynic, and and I have, you know, when the T-shirts started happening, I was like, oh, here we go. And then I thought about it more and I'm like, Chris, again, this is the kind of thing where these some bozos that would never give their money would never, this is how they're going to do it. So we have to, we have to look at that as, Mm. as a positive. I know better. I can go join a hundred dollars and not wear a fear of God logo, but some, but but again, it takes all kinds. I feel like, And, and I understand what you're saying about like, you should also be doing the work. And I think that's a reasonable expectation, but also like never underestimate the stupidity of the American people. Right. True. It's very true. But then in my mind, it feels like my job to call it out. And like, sure. mm-hmm. I have never been that girl. I'm not, first of all, I really don't care what the fuck you're doing with your life. Like I'm looking out for number one. Like I'm just going to go ahead and ca- like, I'm going to mind my business. But as soon as you try to engage with it at a surface level, like the aesthetic activism of Instagram specifically was pissing me the fuck you, off. I've seen you, you see, you've been going off. No one is safe. Literally, no <laughs> one is safe. Like I am public enemy number one right now because I will even call you the even fuck Jacques Mou. Even Jacques Mou. Okay? Don't come for like, Jacques Mou. He's on the list. Okay. What about what about my man Vetman? <laughs> Look, okay, here's my thing about Demna, though, because Demna went into a French, like, totally nationalist, classist superstructure like Balenciaga, mm-hmm. and he was like, I'm going to teach you guys a thing or two about dystopia. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, that is active work. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I do know that Balenciaga has cut off, you know, in, because of COVID and because of um, the moment that we're in right now as a world, aka dissension into chaos, mm-hmm. um, they have cut a lot of the funding for the po- public programs that they did do. They were really invested in like world, um, in like the world health hunger. organization and hunger. Yeah, exactly. And I know that though that's not where they're spending finances right now, but look, mm-hmm. Demna is not the worst of them. I probably, he's probably safe for a second, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> if, I if I would have known we were going this way, I would have just made a list and we could have just gone down the list. <laughs> and said it was, I mean, Jason, after this podcast, you and I might be on the list. Don't it's, come it's, for it's, Tommy yeah. Hilfiger next. It's, oh it's, no, it's, I know, right? <laughs> so I mean, I think the in, I think the the 
the influencer stuff or the, or the, you know, for lack of a better term, cancellation um, mm-hmm. is, it's interesting to me because I mean, obviously it's going to happen in a situation like this. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's justified, of course, my mm-hmm. question, and I've heard people say this too, is like, do we, where, where are we at with people like being allowed to learn from their mistakes? And I, yeah, that's the question, because I can't, is if somebody's life is, is literally ruined, their livelihood is ruined. Like mm-hmm. they have to be able to recover from that. I don't find, I don't think it's fair if, if we don't allow them to recover, if they do it right. Are you work. talking about OJ? Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Still yeah. on about yeah. that. Okay. Yes. I, it's, it's, I a, mean, it's a cause that's close to my heart. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. I mean, look, first of all, I'm screaming at that OJ comparison. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, it's like, I really do distinguish between call out culture and cancel culture. And to me, it's like, okay. you get canceled. You get canceled when you're called out and you have the audacity to defend, deflect, self-center that response. So it's like, I cancel you for the way you deal with the call out, not because you're getting called out. Mm. Well, I think know? that's, and that's the thing. That's what I've been talking about with people too, is it seems like to me, the, the, the real crime is when you somehow make this about yourself in any way. Right. And, and, right. and that, and that is something that, that I, I think is a, a true issue and that it should be maybe discussed more almost mm. because it's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think people are doing it on purpose. I think that's just how self-involved we are as a culture. And it's very right. hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to express empathy in a way that is actually selfless, especially, yeah. on, the, especially on the internet. Um, right. And, and I think that is a huge part of it in, in general. I think it's just, it's just, um, I mean, we're at the very tip of the iceberg. <laughs> but like I have this. to say, I have to say like the prevalence of these weak ass, you know, apologies in your notes, like getting on here, trying to pre, you know, virtue signal and show your receipts and you've been about it. What that says to me is all of the people that are being called out do not even have within their immediate network somebody who they can reach out to for guidance. Not saying Mm -hmm. that it's black people's job to be like teaching white people how to be decent, but it's like, they don't have one black homie to call in your, yeah, you have no one to call and like examine that. Uh, Gabby, just go ahead. I just want to go ahead and get this out of the way now. Just email me your retainer for, for writing my apology. <laughs> just so we can go ahead. Yeah, just exactly. in case. I want to be, I want to have it ready like a New York Times obituary. You know right. what I mean? So I just, just like have it on deck. <laughs> exactly, and I exactly. think that there's like, I really do think that there is value. You know, there are people who disagree with me and are like, let, you know, this is Bastille. Like this is li- like, this is Stalingrad. Like let this shit fall. <laughs> like don't be out here trying to like save people from off the Titanic. And I'm like, I actually do think that there is some responsibility for someone like me who literally works within a white supremacist structure. I'm not like, I am complicit in that there's no, there's no way, shape or form or path within luxury to say that you're not complicit in upholding those structures. So I'm like my work to reconcile that internally for myself is trying to help people see. And it's like, I'm not going to write your statement for you, but I'm going to fucking yell at you all the things you need to hear so that you can write it well. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just, what I'll do is I'll, re- I'll go ahead and bend it will be a I'll verbal record, <laughs> I'll record the conversation and then take my yeah. notes from that. Okay. hundred percent. That's, that work, that's less is, work. That's actually less work for you, which I like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, a, exactly. that's a better deal for you. So I, exactly. I, but a publicist literally was like, what's your Venmo? Like, I really feel like I need to be paying you. And I was like, first <laughs> off, 
A, I am like on the verge of impending poverty because of COVID. So like, yes, but B, <laughs> but B like, you know, also divert that money to people who are really doing something. Cause like at the end of the day, like I'm a, a fucking loud mouth on Instagram and there are people like in these goddamn streets. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I think that the, I, and I think that's another thing that I've taken away from this too, is that, and everyone I, I think feels guilt. Well, if, they, if they're, if they're smart, they feel guilt, like they're not doing enough. Um, right. And I, I, I saw something going around. I think my friend Vince actually posted, but basically like, look, people, you know, everybody is doing different things. Doing nothing right. is the problem. Like you don't right. need to be getting hit with tear gas to contribute. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's to your point. Like we need to diversify our response because the white power structure is sure as hell insidious and diversified and in every single part of our world. So we need to attack every single part and there are different ways of doing that. Oh, that makes me feel better. You uh, feel me? So it's I, okay. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm, you know, you, everyone is doing the work in the way that they can. It's the people who aren't fucking interested in doing the work that I'm coming for. So don't worry. You're safe. Well, as a, <laughs> as a, as a person who's, go- yeah, for now, as a person who's going to, to Atlanta to spend some time with my parents, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think I'm about to, in, I mean, I'm not that concerned. Like they're, they're definitely not like they're on the right side of history. It's just, they're mm-hmm. probably closer to the wrong side than I would yeah, like them to be. Sure. You know what I mean? But I yeah. do think that I do think that, that piece of this and there again, there's a lot of stuff about this going around and and I I don't I like giving money all, all the all this obvious shit is obviously important and that's why it gets the most ink and the most mm-hmm. screen time. But mm-hmm. I do think talking to family uh it's it's just it's the hardest thing and maybe the most important in some ways. Yeah, I completely agree and I think in a lot of ways, we are conditioned to think like if your grandpa isn't over here calling the grocery store clerk colored, then you don't have to have that conversation. Like that's not, <laughs> it doesn't need to okay, be. Okay. So, okay. Cause my, my granddad's dead. So, okay. We can keep, we can keep moving. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't need to be that explicit. I think like the part of this work that is, you know, the hardest to deal with is the, is recognizing and reckoning with the fact that most white people in our immediate proximity as middle-class people working in the fashion industry and the media landscape, like most people have benefited in more ways than one from um, the oppression of black people. And it's like, if you can't immediately come, you know, if those ways don't immediately come to mind, then there's more digging that needs to happen. And like, just because your dad or mom or cousin or like crazy uncle aren't like, raging racist doesn't mean that these conversations don't need to be had Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that is something that that is maybe a little misunderstood or or just not not under the microscope it's like my dad voted for obama like i don't have to like talk about this (laughs) it's like that that ain't it sis you know what i mean i mean i'm not it's just gonna be i mean just being in this i don't know being in the south and jason was in orange county he's he's originally from orange county which is the south of of california (laughs) Oh, yikes. I'm from yes. yeah, born and raised in Huntington Beach, bro. I just I'll fucking I just kick threw- all your guys' ass. Wow. <laughs> That's like Huntington Beach is like very close to like La Jolla level or like Santa Barbara level problematic shit. I think it's beyond because because Santa Barbara and La Jolla have have some more money. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. Fair, 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 fair. But fair. what Jason what Jason pointed out before and what I think is interesting is it, it, and especially seeing this driving through the south, it's like rednecks look like rednecks in the south. Like there's a look mm-hmm. to these there's a look 
that you recognize. In Orange County, it's like a good looking guy with a big Instagram following and some Oakleys on. It's like buff right. who's pulling a gun right. on a protester. Right. It's, it's just it's a reminder that it takes all kinds. It takes all kinds to be racist, for sure. I completely am on board with that. And I think that like what is so funny is that there have been so many people in my immediate world in the fashion space where I'm like, I'm really reflecting on, look, I am totally that person who was like, yeah, but like I work here, you know, like they have one black person. Like I can change things. Like I can cast black models. It's like, at what point is, are we going to recognize that like diversity isn't the, and by the way, that took literally centuries of fashion Mm -hmm. to get to the point where black models were even considered. And we were like very comfortable for a while thinking that that was enough wait are there black are there black models besides Naomi Campbell I haven't seen any right you know what I mean and like those are conversations that are really fucking happening like but like who like we're grasping at straws thinking of like okay but who is at this level that we can cast like there just aren't it's literally non-existent in terms of there being like any sort of black establishment besides like token you know, people who have been Mm -hmm. granted entree into the golden coffers of the fashion industry but it's really, it's prevalent. Like the, 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 um, presentation of like real white supremacist thought is prevalent as fuck in this industry. And we're all just trying to, you know. Mm-hmm. And they also don't, and, and they don't really hide it in the, in the fashion world as, as well either. No, there's no interest in hiding it because here's the thing. It's like, from who? Is it at least kind of refreshing that they don't hide it? Or not at all. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes it easier to call out for yeah. sure. But it's not. I mean, I think what we really are realizing is that this system is in, like implicitly entrenched in white power structures. Like luxury mm-hmm. was an invention of exclusion. So yeah. it's like there is no there is no way to hide or you know hide from that culpability. But what is even more damaging to me is this like very, very hollow, very, very surface interest in um, presenting, uh, you know, alignment with the values of, of uh, movements like Black Lives Matter. I'm like, I don't, I don't actually want to hear it from you because it's, it means nothing. Like, well, it literally well, I mean, means nothing. I think in the last couple of years, especially with like campaign images and stuff, for me, looking at those, it felt like a stunt. Like when yeah. you, when you put, I mean, you know, Nike or someone like that would do something where it was literally like uh, an amputee is in the ad. And it's like, right. guys, what yeah. do we do? What the like, fuck? Like fully, like absolutely no, fully. There's no, like, this is, it's just very clear what you're doing. You, you know it's what I mean? It's very clear what you're doing. And it's, you know, in a way it reflects the way that America is right now, which is like, we've been racist. It's just like, now we're not afraid to do it in public. Mm-hmm. It's like fashion has been looting black culture since the beginning of time and now it's like we're just going to continue to do that but like message it in a way that it seems like black people are implicit Mm -hmm. like that's why in a lot of ways i feel like like my job my proximity to that system makes me feel complicit enough that it's starting to feel like indentured servitude it's like i like i'm not a slave but like i'm working towards my freedom by engaging with these systems because i think that they're the cosine of the establishment is the only way that I could break into, mm-hmm. you know, the real structural. Are you, um, thi- are you, are you thinking differently about your job now from like a, a, a bigger yeah. picture way? Obviously. I mean, the, 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 you know, um, 
kind of in your face stuff is pretty clear, but overall, like, do you, are you going to approach it differently? Also yeah. tell people, tell people what you do. I mean, we, we said it. Oh it yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am the fashion director of garage magazine, which as of right now does not have an editor in chief. So that is a role. Oh, they I- didn't, they didn't replace Mark. They didn't replace Mark. I don't think there's any interest in replacing Mark. Um, and to be honest, I don't know if it's a job that uh, I'm necessarily suited for. Um, but I think that in a lot of ways, I am right now responsible for what we're putting out into the world as a magazine. De facto. Garage, de, facto. de facto. So I think I am reevaluating my job insofar as the fact that I think that changes can be made within this industry that reflect at least a path towards reconciling how um, oppressive it is. My current kind of internal turmoil is like, is that enough? Like, am I satisfied with making changes within a system that's flawed? Or like, do I need to be focusing my energy on creating a parallel system that embodies who we are? And, you know, as when I say who we are, I mean, black creatives and, one day might be as powerful in a black space as the white establishment is. So I think like, it's totally one of the, it's, it's almost identical to the, um, eight, you know, the eight can't wait versus abolitionist praxis. It's like, Mm -hmm. do I want to work within this system to try and make it like a little bit better? Or do I need to divest from the system entirely to concentrate on efforts that uh, are about creating an alternative system with equity. So Mm. I am thinking about a lot of that right now. I'm like, look, I'm also 28 and need a fucking paycheck. So like, yes, I will do the work. I love fashion. I love being a stylist and an editor. And I'm just going to use our pages to be black as hell and diversified as hell in opinion and in representation and in leadership and in, you know, content. So another, 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 well, that's a good place to be. I mean, you know, I, 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 this is something that I, I struggle with and, and I haven't talked about a lot, but it's, it's a little bit like, is, is there a point where we can look at it as who is the best person for the job or Mm -hmm. are we, are we too far gone to do that? I mean, I think in terms of, leadership, there is a point in which we can be thinking like, who is the best person for the job? When you look at, I'm not even kidding you. I have, you know, I'm in this very, very long winded Instagram group chat with black creatives in the fashion industry, you know, in Europe and here. And when you look at the advancement of visual culture in not even the past, like one year, two years, five years, like fully almost a decade, the majority of those contributors are people of color and we represent exactly like one percent of the leadership of this industry so it's like yeah yeah, there are people who are better for this job based on the work that we're putting out that is actually like relevant interesting like exploratory and that's just not reflected in like c-suite executives or like leadership teams so i think what we need to be doing is like I love your Black Lives Matter, Black Square post. Show me a picture of your leadership board. Like, you know, like we really need to be pressing the issue. Um, and it's hard because I have spent my entire life being like the problem or like there's always something with Gab, like what the fuck is she going to go off about now? Like this angry Black woman um, categorization is uh, damaging in a lot of ways, but it's just like, now is not the time to be backing down. And I really feel, um, that we can change this industry for the better and make it 
a, an accurate reflection of the contributions of its black contributors. Um, and right I, I, now, that's a mission. I would agree with you. I think it's more the kind of situation where I was talking to my girlfriend about this, but but it was kind of like, look, everybody thought fashion was fucked from COVID, blah blah blah. But my mm. my take was basically like, well, look, it's the old people are still the same people that before are in charge now. If they want to have a fucking fashion show, they're going to have one. You know right. what I mean? Like if they, yeah. if they want, it's not going to be, if they don't want it to be digital, then it really won't be in the long run. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that that, my point being is that old guard still exists. So penetrating yes. that, penetrating that is obviously the, the biggest task, really. I completely because that's agree. Because ma- that's who makes real decisions. Like, yeah, there are still look, gatekeepers of, that in, of this industry, too, who are part of that old guard who are really resistant to not only just like, bowing out gracefully and like let the revolution start but like <laughs> are are like fully anti changing the structure of fashion like they like the way it is and they want it to remain that way and, and, and it will what, and, remain that and way. they'll hire these young bright voices that are changing things instead of letting them independently grow on their own and then potentially take them down yeah yeah, but also, like, they're also not hiring those bright, independent voices. Like, they're literally yeah, finding, true. like, the miniature replication of themselves in the future and are putting them in on tracks of, you know, on, like, fast tracks to be able to take the reins when they're gone. Like, there really is a stewardship of this white supremacist fashion model, and we have to call it out because exactly as you said, like, it's going to have, they're going to, they still make the decisions, you know, they still make the decisions. If they want to have a fashion show, they're going to have a fashion show. If they want to cast black people to cast, if they don't, they won't. And like, that's how it's going to go. You know, someone like, someone like uh, Tyler Mitchell, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously his work is great. That's not really the issue, but mm-hmm. it, to me, it feels like it literally took like a Beyonce cosign for someone yeah. like, for someone like that, which is mo- like, that is such a huge leap you know right. what i mean like it's not enough and and it's just it's not enough to just be good you know what i yeah. mean and, and that's an issue that that's an issue you know yeah and tyler is out here trying to get free like the rest of us but the thing that's so crazy is because he exists now fashion is like okay cool everything's we have fixed one. we have one. like i'm yeah, done yeah, yeah. no no that's and definitely it's like that's just not the fucking case my man like you know like come on but I think this is the same. I mean, and, and I mean, you can speak on this for sure, but I think this is the same thing we, we were talking about a couple of years ago with women, you know, where mm-hmm. it was like, we have to hire a female photographer. We have to hire a female that, you know what I mean? And that was, yes. the, that was the cause for a little while. And it worked to an extent. I mean, there definitely mm-hmm. were more women getting hired. Um, mm-hmm. But what's the end game? You, you know what I mean? Right. Is that, how long does that actually last? And that's yeah, the, and, and, the and, and what is the And what is the intention? Like, it really sure. was for for the most part from what i can see of like the entire investment in the female gaze it was like how do we confront the fact that we're being called out for our like extreme um investment in patriarchy it's like what is the easiest like most in line with fashion way it's like oh like white women who like you know want to shoot with like the colors pink and like you know you know what i mean they're like through rose colored glasses and like i'm not gonna let i'm not gonna let you sit here and attack white women on my podcast (laughs) okay you need to watch (laughs) honestly like facts like that is and that 
that is the vigor of the industry <laughs> and like in defense of like the least defensible populations of all time. It's like, how dare you call out rich people? Like we made that, you know, it's just like, I've I'm, been, but I'm telling you, I think right now, and I never thought I would say this. I think white women have it worse than white men right now. I never think this competition could ever, I, I didn't, yeah. think it, I didn't think it could happen, but I think that's, I think it's shifted. Oh, I mean, I never even thought about oh. that, Chris. That's, Damn, I just, a small I, victory. I, dude, look at, look at, I mean, look at, I mean, dude, Karen is literally a phrase now. I like, was just is, about to say, what do you guys, because look, I'm like been knowing Karen's, like I don't, whatever, but as white, straight men, like. Look, I'm just glad my mother is not a Karen. That's right. all I can, that's all I can say. I my mean, mom right. is not a Karen, but her name is Karen. And we haven't, we, we haven't discussed it yet, but I know it's an issue that she wants to bring up. it's just crazy and it's like you know it's all centered around this idea of like of like white fragility and how this like desire to be victimized is it's like this real Mm. pornographic interest in like being a part of the struggle that we need to be decoding and like i'm happy that karen is a fucking phrase there's literally a campaign there's a woman oh my god what is her name there is a woman on instagram who's like like we don't say negro anymore like we can't be saying karen like all like women women exist in women exist in multitudes like all white women aren't karens and i'm like the fact that there are people out there (laughs) whose like investment of energy is towards this kind of (laughs) campaign towards the all karens matter movement in all Karen's Matter movement, I'm, it's almost like, I mean, it feels sci-fi, but it's really just like, finally <laughs> think, we're seeing. Jason, like, I think I think we need to have a Karen on to, to kind of, you know, show the other side of the argument. I think that's important for us. We're going to lose our sponsors. Representation matters. <laughs> Representation yeah. matters. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You should have a Karen on. I could probably give you a few. I, I, well, the thing about Karen is that I, I, that I think that it, in most people's minds, it's the same as like, I need to speak to your manager, but it is, but I'm saying they can, a Karen can come in all forms. They don't have to have that haircut or be this, you know what I mean? Like the visual representation of a Karen is that haircut and like basically being like a friend of my mom in the nineties from Jazzercise. Like that's kind (laughs) of, that's kind of, we we may have even hit a Karen at one point in our life, Chris. Oh yeah. We, I was about to say all of y'all better look at your ex-girlfriends because there's a Karen in there at some point. (laughs) I mean, well, not girlfriends, but just a little one piece, one off (laughs) activation. A one piece activation. (laughs) I literally like, the thing is, it's true. You know, it's, I mean, it, it's it would be impossible to avoid. You it's know, I mean, really, it's impossible to avoid in in, in all aspects of life. Really, you know, a hundred percent. Personally, I'm here for the way I like the aestheticization of Karen because literally that look is so repulsive to me. I'm like, at least people well, can make fun of your like make fun of your haircut and like your cargo shorts. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'm down with that. But yeah, I do think that. I have, there are many, many people calling out Karens right now who themselves are Karens and mm. they too are not safe. Well, when the you whites, when, look, when the whites start turning on themselves, it's every man <laughs> for themselves. You know what I'm saying? It's just, right. As you said, it ain't safe. Yeah, there, ain't there's safe. only so many podcast advertising dollars at stake. So we will, <laughs> only so many. we will turn on our own. We will turn 100%. on our own. If, if it's feast or famine, I'm coming for anybody. It does, you know, it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't right. matter. Look but out for I, number one. 
You have to, and I think that's, you know, I think that that is what people are doing. I think it feels very, like you said, just the world feels so chaotic. It's, it's hard mm-hmm. not to be self-involved and navel-gazing mm-hmm. because of, because of it, it feels so unsure. Everything feels so unsure, you know? Yeah, I completely, <laughs> I, and I completely understand that. And I, I have to, like, give space to, like, my weird California hippie-dumb and thinking that, like, it does not feel coincidental that at this moment in time when, like, our planet is fucking hurting, when, like, there's a massive global pandemic and public health crisis, that we are finally becoming open to a conversation that uh, centers around the, you know, eternal oppression of mm-hmm. of black people and and it really does bum me out when i when i hear the surprise and when i'm like when i when i see people recounting their I- interactions with police and i can't believe they started tear gassing us and like we were doing nothing it's like that's yeah like, you're not right. doing you're not doing as nothing as like a 10 year old boy walking right. home from school exactly. like no one's like yeah, that's just not i mean do you think um I, I feel like uh, this week felt a little more positive in general. Mm-hmm. Um, would you agree with that? Or do you think there, there hasn't been any, any, any progress or I'm making it up? I mean, I do think that, you know, people are, li- you know, mayors are lifting their curfews. Like people are in power are condemning at least in words, police actions. I think in terms of it being positive, I worry about, about the fact that the reason why a lot of these measures are being taken right now is in order to placate the um, those of us who are angry and who are talking about it. And mm-hmm. my biggest fear right now is that when people aren't out there macing protesters, we're going to forget that there's a police brutality issue, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and there is so much skin in the game of like being on the front lines and fighting for black liberation. But it doesn't that that level of heat at this um, at this scale can't last forever, and we need to be having the conversations about like what's next? what are we doing, what's next, and like what how are we practically ena- enacting all of the things that we're screaming on the streets? Like, are we going into our are we writing our mayors? Are we writing our representatives? Sure, that's all great, but it's like, are you also going into your meetings and telling everyone you know I'm the only black voice here and I've been ignored and ignored for my entire career and like how are you now gonna what are your reparations in that way like those Mm -hmm. are the harder conversations so i'm just hoping that this vigor exists in uh, a different scale when we all like don't have 24 hours a day to be on our phones you know i mean that's the thing my screen time this week was almost uh, per day was almost 10 hours and i was like i don't i don't know if i need to be taking i don't know if there's that much new information for me to take in you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and it and it's Mm -hmm. but but it feels irresponsible to not be as informed as possible. And yeah. in some ways it is, but in other ways it's like, do I really need, like, what, what am I, at a certain point, am I, am I hurting myself? Or am I helping myself? Is, right. is what I mean. Is what I mean. Right, right, right. Like, are you, are you, yeah, no, I know. Like, We're all learning how to do it right now. Of that. Right. I completely agree. And I will say that the only kind of upside to being glued to our phones right now is that it replicates the feeling of like constant inundation of, pain and anger that black people feel every single day so i'm like sit like maybe sit in that and Mm -hmm. like and appreciate that um because that's what it feels like and it's not comfortable and like we need to all start yeah like we need to all start getting skin in that game you know shit you just really 
hit me over the head with that one. Okay. Yeah, we, uh, I do. I have been known to hit one anyway, or two I got, folks over the head. I got to go. I need to doom scroll for five more hours <laughs> to feel something. Exactly. You just, you're doom talking scroll. a lot and I need to scroll more. <laughs> I am like very happy with this conversation though, because I fucking love talking and I can't believe you guys let me do it on your podcast. And I'm like very, you know, thank you. Oh, hey, no, we're, we're, we're grateful to have you, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I think we, I think we actually talked about this before everything happened, actually. So it, it's, well, it's, you and we did. And I think you and I, well, we really bonded on that Tom Ford football trip. That's when we, like, that's true. Well, movies. when you saw, I mean, when you see an athlete, Look, we don't need, caliber, we don't have time for humble brags, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> it's hard. Ah! It's hard when you saw, I mean, when you saw the athleticism, it's hard not to take notice. You know what I mean? I, wow. I, 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 <laughs> when you saw the touchdown pass. Wow. No, when, you, when you saw that Lil Uzi was there, then you forgot that Chris Black was there is what happened to me. Right, exactly. That's I was true. like, who? I was like please, don't, like, please don't let Uzi see me next to him. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Uzi, I'm just talking to him. I don't know this white man. I'm just talking to him. Like, it, we're co-worker. We, we work together. It's not... <laughs> It's it, it really be like that sometimes. Um, but, but honestly, no. Thank you so much for coming on. I think this was um, this was like the right tone too. That's this thing with we, we we like to give the information, but not feel like a white paper. You know what I mean? Right, right, so, right, right, right. And I, I think that is kind of your vibe too. Um, yeah, so yeah. so I think I think it worked well. And um, well, yeah, I could pe- do it all day. And thank people- you, and Jason. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet way. you as well on on FT. Maybe one yeah, day, exactly. you know, now that New York is canceled, you might move back to California. Who knows? I actually am really about that L.A. life. I'm not even kidding. Besides the fact that your mayor is trash and your police chief is actually a fucking monster. We're but the only city that, in the country that has a bad mayor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're the only city in the country besides New York I would want to fucking live in. So those are we my can. All right. Well, look, I'll let you guys know when I settle in Iowa how, how nice the – how clean the air Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, really, I'm like about this back to Africa movement. So y'all can come visit me in Senegal, but mm. whatever. You know what I mean? Damn, I, I would really have to get my flavor up before I visit Senegal. <laughs> I don't think that I would. That's the way fact. I the way I fit in in the Blue Lives Matter gym would be the exact <laughs> opposite in Senegal. Yes, I'm very. I mean, I tend to agree. Um, um and let yeah. people let people know where they can find you um, on the internet. I'm going. Okay, yeah. So, like, I guess my Instagram handle. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes great sense. Okay, it's at Gabriella K underscore J. Very creative, and yeah. Come see me, you know, yell a lot. Come see no, me in the stories. You can see Fitz and learn something. It's truly you can the best see of both worlds. Fitz and learn something. And you the might best. even be, you know, you might even get to see someone get called out that you know. You know? <laughs> wow, even better. You can, even get better. Your, you can watch your enemy get destroyed. What more do yeah. we need? Those, that, those, are the, those are the three. That's the trifecta. Who, you know? Who's America's next on the time. list? Who's next on the list of getting exposed? Can we have a pod exclusive? <laughs> you know what? I'm still, I'm still very much in the mix with Derek Glassberg. So, you know, oh, we'll you know what? I, I forgot we didn't touch on this. I've mm. well, hold on. Um, yes. I, if we had a Patreon, this is this is where that would hit right now. <laughs> yes, it is. I so I I know this guy Nimrod who wrote that thing, but it's like a medium thing, like that pieces it all together, which I'm sure you saw. Oh yeah, um, and I didn't know him at all before. I know him. He's he's like a British guy that's like friend of friends, and I've hung out with him a few times. Uh, he's he's a piece of work, but like it's on the struggling medium platform. Exactly, mm, I, I try right. not to I try not to read or repost things on Medium. It's a personal right. brand thing. Um, but uh, but so the issue is just to break it down. Is Blasberg mm-hmm. is a a 
he's friends with Ivanka and Jared because of his relationship with Carly Kloss because they grew up together and are friends. I like guess that that's where he like got the entree, but he really just been around that social set for a while. He's just a scammer. He's just interested in being involved with that social set, which like fine, more power to you. What I actually think is so funny is that the that entire article was you know focused on his connection to like people who represent fascism in Tavi Gevinson's mind, and she had called him out, and then I think like Naomi Fry had like also called him out. He ended up unfollowing Ivanka, whatever. But what was so funny is like I wasn't even in that shit. I was just like at the you know, as the head of fashion and beauty at YouTube, like, can we count on you to be amplifying and elevating black and brown voices? <laughs> that was a comment that he chose not to engage with and instead, <laughs> like, did, decided to engage with the white women calling him a neo-fascist. So, like, that's where my, where I started to flip because I was like, you just posted Black Lives Matter and then you are refusing to actually acknowledge on your platform publicly, you know, the ways in which you with a an enormous personal platform, but aside from that, one of the most powerful media platforms on the whole of the internet, mm-hmm. YouTube, at your, you know, fingertips. So it's like, let's hear what you're going to do behind this, like, black square. And, you know, he didn't want to engage with it uh, on his page. He said that, like, he got, he didn't even see it. He got lost. Meanwhile, there are, like, 150 comments on the fucking post. So the it's only like, replies if to you're, a blue check. Right, but it's also just, like, right. And it's also, like... I'm sorry, if you're going to post Black Lives Matter on your social media platform and don't have the time to read the 150 comments underneath that, (laughs) you don't think that Black, you're Mm. not invested in this game. So take the fucking post down. You know what I mean? Damn. It really ain't safe. Not even for Blastberg and his fucking hair. It's not. I mean, here's the thing. I don't, I'm not, I really am not afraid of these people. Cancel me out of this fucking industry if you want to. The work that I, I love it. I love the work that I do. But at the end of the day, it's not, the degree of change that I can do in this industry is a fraction of the change I would like to make in this world. So if, if y'all don't fuck with me, you don't fuck with me, but I really hope you do because the shit I have to say is stuff you need to hear. I feel like canceling is contagious. And now we're all seeing that we can cancel these people who deserve to be canceled and are allowed to go on. There's totally an exposure of the power structure and it's and how arbitrary that is. And also, but also how intentional it is for the people in power to be like rich, like socially connected white people. And like, that's Mm -hmm. not reflective of the work this industry is putting out. So let's fucking change it. Well, look, let me say something. When I become a rich, socially connected white person, I'm bringing, Mm. I'm bringing you to the top with me. So okay, just, great. I'll be at the top already, but you know, like, <laughs> Chris will be your white knight. <laughs> finally, finally, right. oh, oh god, I'm growing so much. Um, all right, well, look, thank you. Have a safe flight back to New York. Thank um, you guys so much, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. All right. Take bye. Care. Bye. bye.